I'm Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. Prayer is action all by itself, and our prayers can impact the people we love most for generations to come. I created the Million Praying Moms podcast because prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. Let's change that together. My goal is to help you see prayer not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. If you have questions about prayer or motherhood, if you need help taking the first steps toward a praying life, or if you want to know how to pray for specific needs affecting our children in today's culture, you're in the right place, friend prayer warrior or mom who's just starting the journey. All are welcome here. Let's get started. Proverbs 30 verse 8 says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Unfortunately, we live in a world where difficulties, abuse, and even betrayal happens on a daily basis. This Bible verse is perfect to pray for your children and yourself. Having walked through her own story of betrayal, author Jennifer Lynn Heck knows firsthand the importance of this prayer. She writes about it in her book, Walking Victoriously Through a Fiery Furnace, available on Amazon. In the book, she shares what can happen when we become vulnerable and how God enables us to victoriously overcome. Walking Victoriously Through a Fiery Furnace is written as the story of Victoria Grace, a young woman born with a crippling physical disability who experiences betrayal, but overcomes and receives the healing only God can give. It's designed with beautiful, full-color pages, and Bible passages are creatively interwoven into the story. Discover how you and your family can use what Jennifer calls the word-activated response strategy in prayer to defeat Satan's deception and attacks and receive hope and encouragement in your own fiery trials. Get your copy of Walking Victoriously Through a Fiery Furnace now on Amazon. But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hey friends, it's been a heavier month, hasn't it? I knew that this topic of anger in our children would be an important one, and it has been. We've looked at a comprehensive model of what anger is from a biological and spiritual and physical perspective. My goal was to help you understand what anger is from those perspectives. And now, today, I want to leave us with practical tools for knowing what to do when we encounter anger in our children. My guest today is Michelle Niedert. Michelle has been a licensed professional counselor for over 25 years and is the co-author of the award-winning book, Loved and Cherished, A Hundred Devotions for Girls and Make Up Your Mind. Her newest books, God, I Feel Sad and Managing Your Emojis, made her the perfect person to share with us today. I'll provide links in the show notes so you can go grab those books right away. Michelle is a passionate speaker and a frequent guest on national television and podcasts, including her own podcast, Raising Mentally Healthy Kids, which you're going to want to go and subscribe to right away. 
She and her husband, Drew, have been married for almost two decades with two school-age children, and you can connect with her at yourmentalhealthcoach.com. Well, Michelle, welcome to the show. Tell everyone a little bit about you, your family, and your ministry. Help us to get to know you a little bit better. Thanks for having me. I have been a licensed professional counselor for 25 years. I created a crisis intervention program at a large school district back before I had the kids. I am now in the parenting trenches with all you moms. I have a 15-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son. And so I'm very busy. I run a counseling center in the Dallas, Texas area. I'm the author of, I keep, I'm losing count because they're coming out this year kind of quickly, five or six books and some specifically ones for moms on faith-based mental health and then for kids and the family on faith-based mental health. I love that. I love that so much. I really think that's a necessary thing to help bridge the gap. You know, there's just so many moms that really want to know not just how mental health is affecting their children, but you know, how to incorporate their faith into that, how to see it through the lens of their faith and how to help their children do the same thing. So I really think the work that you're doing is very important. And it's why we have you on the show today. We've talked about the fact that we have been spending this entire season talking about anger, both in our children and in ourselves as adults. And so, you know, and and for those who may be tuning in the first time, we kind of have had a crash course this month in what anger is, just trying to define and understand anger from a science or maybe biology or anatomy perspective. But we've also talked about things like the cycle of anger, what happens in our bodies, what do we go through as we're responding to anger. And we've also learned what anger is from a biblical standpoint, like what does God say is happening in our hearts. And we've even touched on the power of learning to control or interrupt our thought process a little bit so that we can take the first steps of maybe getting out of that cycle. So there's been a lot of things that we've shared so far this season on this particular topic from a content perspective. And as I mentioned to you before we went live, if the amount of struggle that I had putting this season together is any indication, then God is going to use this in in people's lives. And I pray that that's so. Today, though, I really would like to close out the season and leave everyone with a lot of practical application on this topic for helping their children learn to manage their anger in a positive way. And as a counselor, you are going to bring us three or so tips to help moms begin to learn how to do that. So I'm just going to throw it to you. You share the first one that you want to bring to the listeners right now. The first thing I want to say is to breathe with your kids. And I'm not talking about just like we breathe all the time, but to take some deep belly breaths. If you have little kids you and you want to teach this before you're in the middle of an angry situation, we really have to teach about anger when our amygdalas are calm. That's the part of your brain that goes into fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. I know that's a big word, amygdala, but it's important for us to understand that breathing resets and calms down our amygdala. It makes us feel safe and secure. And when that is not happening, our brains aren't working right. So if you're trying to correct your child in the middle of anger, they're angry or you're angry, then you don't have well-working brains. So much so that one of our family theorists, John Gottman, would you believe he makes couples in their learning lab wear a heart rate monitor that beats around their chest? And if they go beyond so many beats per minute, they can't talk. My house could be very quiet sometimes <laughs> if that was going Mine on. Too. So what we're talking about is breathing. And what this is, is the idea too of co-regulation. And that is you regulating yourself and being an anchor 
to let your child regulate with you. So you're going to breathe in one, two, three together and out one, two, three together. In through your nose and out through your mouth so you don't hyperventilate. And this just gives you a chance even to get out of whatever was going on before. In a way, one of the things I love when I teach, I do a lot of trainings for preschool teachers and homeschool moms. And we talk about the power of distraction for the young, the, for the little ones. You know, this doesn't work for my 15 year old all the time, but I will tell you one way it will work. But when they were little, they would be like, I want ice cream and I want ice cream. And they could be in a parking lot, just kind of like, I want ice cream. And then I could go, look at that bird. Look at that beautiful blue bird. And then they're like, look at the bird. Wow, that bird is really cool. <laughs> and the loop that was going on, they were looping. With the I want ice cream, I want ice cream was broken with distraction. So that's another tool. It doesn't work a lot with a 15-year-old. But the other day, I was like, do you want to go get sushi? And all of a sudden, everything was a little bit better. And I just kind of distracted the whole frustration of you have to clean your room when you get home and you can't go anywhere until you do. I said, you want to go get sushi before we do all? Yeah, let's get sushi. And everything kind of changed in that time. So sometimes we can use a diversion like that. But the breathing in one, two, three, and out one, two, three. And and I think even breathing God's presence into this, like saying, yes. let's breathe, let's like breathe in God's love and let's breathe out our, and what I love about this is you can teach vocabulary. Like, you know, we're not always mad. Sometimes we're frustrated. Sometimes we're furious. So let's breathe out our frustration. And I want to encourage you to make that out audible, make it a hum or a like a little noise to that because the research says that that can help our bodies release emotion. Cause I know you've talked about this a little bit. We use a biopsychosocial spiritual model at our counseling center. Mm-hmm. And so emotion is energy and motion in our body. So we want to release that before we deal with the mindset or the character issue. If there is one, mm-hmm. sometimes there's not. I had a kid the other day in my office, so overwhelmed. And I'm like, what? She just looked different. I'm like, what have you eaten today? She'd barely eaten anything. Sometimes it's low blood Mm -hmm. sugar that can cause irritability. Sometimes it's, um, they are overstimulated. So that may be another thing. You guys may need to go to a place to calm down first and then come back and address it. You know, if you want to torture an older kid or an early adolescent, tell them that you're going to let them know the consequence the next day. That is the best way to torture them. (laughs) We don't have to do immediacy. And when we get into immediacy in our center is when we see families in high conflict driving out of emotion instead of disciplining out of love. And I think that's really important for you. And and here's the most beautiful thing, Brooke. If you help that child co-regulate with you and you bring God into the picture, you will eventually give them the skills to self-regulate Or I love this idea, and I've been thinking a lot about this. This has not been written about anywhere. Co-regulate with God. Really begin to use God as a source of anchoring and comfort and just peace in the midst of chaos. Yes, I love that so much. So you're speaking my language, Michelle. So I have found that, so I, just from a personal standpoint, I have a heart rate that tends to run high. Like even my resting heart rate runs a little bit high. My mom is the same way. It it appears to be kind of a genetic thing in our family. So when I get excited about something, not even mad, it can just be a positive thing. When I get excited or, or if I'm anxious, it can be all over the emotion map, right? My heart rate goes up. My youngest son plays basketball and the basketball environment is very 
emotional because you're all right there on top of each other. You're in a loud gym. When my kids are playing a baseball game, I can remove myself from the crowd if I need to and go sit in the outfield. But on the basketball court, we're all right there together. I can hear what everybody's saying about my kid on the floor or whatever. And I have this tendency for my heart rate to just go through the roof. Like I'm I'm talking like 140, 150, wow. 160. Yeah, that's like, like my cardio rate. Wow. Right. And I'm just sitting there like it's a thing. And I have a way of measuring it. Like my watch will start going off. Your heart rate is too high. Your heart rate is too high. And so I have found myself doing these breathing exercises right there in the gym at, at the high school. I'll just sit there and I will force myself. And sometimes when your heart rate is really high, it is a choice. Like you have to force yourself because your body wants to take shallow breaths when it feels like that. But you have to force yourself in for two or three and then blow out for a few. And I don't think anybody thinks I'm crazy. I'm really not making a big deal out of it. I'm just doing it. And so I think this is a tip that actually goes beyond anger. It actually really is for any time you feel yourself feeling a little bit out of control. And it's an easy one to help and to teach our children as well. And I love the idea of co-regulating with God because I don't know that I ever really thought of terming it that way, but I do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to teach my children to do that all the time. Like when I feel a negative emotion or when I feel like, you know, to put it in biblical terms, maybe when the enemy is throwing fiery darts at me, when the enemy is lying to me about a situation and that's causing my emotions to rise or to get heated, I have to calm myself with the truth of the word of God. I have to replace that. I have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, would you remind me of the truth? Would you remind me of who you are? Lord, you are good and you are kind and you are true and you're faithful and you're going to take care of this. I can trust you. But that's kind of what we're doing when we begin to speak God's truth over our lives and speak God's truth over our children's lives and help them to get in the habit of doing that. We really are kind of co-regulating with God. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And I think you can pray with it. I've prayed before, like, Lord, I don't know what's going on with us today, but my fuse is short. Their fuse is short. Help us to be kind to one another while we're struggling. Keep it short. Keep it simple. No blaming. I don't like blaming and shaming in prayer. That's kind of, we get new issues coming up in therapy with that. But I also think, you know, another practical thing you could do is to have Uh, And this works for anxiety and anger. You're right. Anger is a secondary emotion. A lot of times it will come out of either hurt or which is a lot of sadness and defensiveness or anxiety, especially kids who have sensory issues. My son does. And he would get sensory overloaded gifted kids. Sometimes they're moving so fast. Their brains are moving fast. Like you're talking about your heart moving fast. Stuff gets out that they don't mean to get out. And so it's, we had a calm down step in our house instead of, I had a timeout room because I needed to get away from them because my mouth would go. And then when they were younger, and also that can happen too. I want to address the fact when families are under more stress, when we had family members in our family dying of cancer, leaving behind young children and my husband's traveling and I've got the center and a book coming out and all of that, it was harder to manage emotions. The research says that women When there's outside stress, let's say you got a big PTA event or there's a lot of baseball going on. Uh, Right now I'm having to fill out forms for the end of the year and and then I'm having to fill out forms for the next year. And I'm trying to decide, do I commit to drive for summer strength and conditioning? I want him to do it, but it also affects our budget. And it's just, you know, you're a mom. You've got all that going on. And 
that outside stress can make you more critical inside your home, which can make you more irritable, which can lead to anger in that process too. So I think one thing, if you're getting a lot of that going on in your home, when my kids are showing a lot of that, I look at is where can I cut them a little bit? You know, we're in a a homeschool and private school model. And so can I get them one day early and let them get some sleep? Maybe get them out early. Or maybe the next day, maybe we cancel a voice lesson or something and we save ourselves the money. And I don't want to do it all the time, but sometimes they need that extra sleep. Or maybe we stay home. Last night, I'm going to admit this on Million Praying Moms. I can't believe this. (laughs) We didn't go to a prayer meeting last night at the school because... (laughs) I have some medical issues going on. My daughter had something going on and my son's ball game was canceled and he'd been sick. And I just said to my husband, we can pray at home. Let's set aside some time to pray for the school. But I think we need to do less tonight. And he agreed. And because I wanted the emotion and the energy in our house to lower. And part of it was my dad had died and I felt some waves of grief. And that's where I think if we as parents, I always say, Mentally healthy kids are raised by mentally healthy parents. That's the name of my podcast. And that idea of raising mentally healthy kids, I really put my own mask on first so I wouldn't lose it. Or if they lost it with me, I could be calm in the moment. And I think it's really important to kind of take the temperature there. Today's show is brought to you by our newest prayer guide, Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child. Anger is such an issue in the world today, isn't it? And I'm afraid our children are struggling because we struggle. Keyboard warriors, righteous typers, out of control mouths and emotions, losing it on game officials and fights with other parents over youth competitions. The world we live in can be very ugly, friends, and social media has emboldened us to say and do things most of us would never have done before it came. I'm afraid we're not doing a good job of demonstrating restraint, peace, reconciliation, and just simply how to do hard things together for our children, and it's taking a toll on them. I think most of us know these displays of anger are not helpful or holy, not in us and not in our children who don't yet have the ability to process or the maturity to temper themselves the way we do. Parenting can be a challenging experience, and when you have an angry child, it can be downright difficult. Children who struggle with anger can be easily triggered, and their outbursts can be distressing for both the child and the parent. However, there are ways to help your child manage their anger, and one of the most potent tools is prayer. Praying for your angry child is essential because it's a way to invite God into your child's life. As parents, we want the best for our children. We can read books, attend therapy sessions, and try different techniques. Ultimately, we are still trying to determine what we can do. However, when we pray for our children, we ask God to intervene. We acknowledge that we can't fix everything independently and surrender our children to God's care. Praying for your angry child doesn't have to be complicated or time-consuming. It just has to be done. In praying God's word for your angry child, you'll pray for God to work in your children's hearts to know where the source of their anger comes from. Stop relying on their own understanding. Be angry without sinning. Let go of bitterness. Be slow to anger. Hold anger in check and gain compassion, understanding, and the ability to forgive for your own heart. 
With biblical teaching on anger, scripture-inspired prayers, and space to journal using our Think, Pray, Praise method of daily prayer, this digital prayer guide is perfect for the busy mom who needs God to move in the hearts of her kids. Download your copy of Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child now when you visit today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. I have said this, I have confessed to this, but while we're confessing things, right? I have confessed to this before on the show, so this should not be a shocker, is that I have a tendency to be a reactor. That is my gut response to things in my life that maybe feel out of control that I want to control or that I'm disappointed about or whatever. Over the years, as I have learned that about myself, I have gotten much better at walking away for a few minutes first or choosing to keep my mouth shut until I have a better grasp. I have learned about myself that I am always, always better at handling things if I just give myself a few minutes with the Lord first. Even if it's just to ask him, Lord, would you give me the right perspective? Would you would you help me to see this correctly? Because when our emotions are up, I don't even think we see things correctly. We're, we're almost blinded by our emotions. And so I, I tend to be that way. And I have one of my two children is that way as well. And one is very kind of mellow and the other one's a little bit more like me. And so you can imagine when you have two reactors in a home that things can escalate quickly when, when we're both functioning in that emotion, it can get ugly quickly. And I have learned, and I will tell you that this particular child doesn't like it when I do this, but I do it anyways. I have learned that I absolutely must disengage with him for a little while. Like for, for the sake of both of our health, we have to disengage and give both of us a time to calm down. And he doesn't like that because he's not 45 and he doesn't have the experience that I do and the life maturity and all that that I do. He wants to keep going until we get it figured out. But I know that if we will take a step back, that we will be better people when we come back together and we'll say fewer things that, that we can't take back or we'll say fewer hurtful things or, you know, all those things. And so sometimes it's just a matter of making it happen, even when you don't want it to happen, or even when everything inside of you is saying, go, 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 you have to be the adult, you have to be the one that says, no, we're going to stop, we're going to take a step back. And then we're going to come back when we are better human beings and better in control of ourselves and, and our emotions have calmed. And I found that when I can do that for my son, it helps quite a bit for us to be able to do that. Another son uh, that I had when he was really little, when he was very emotional, I had a hard time even getting him to hear me. I felt like there was a a block, like he couldn't even hear me. And I found that just holding him almost in a bear hug with, this is a kid that likes physical touch. So holding him in a bear hug and I would sing to him, just sing to him over and over and over again would calm him until he could in fact, hear what I was actually saying. So I think knowing your child and how they tend to react and the way that they like to be treated can help that too. I think also using a scale of one to 10, on a scale of one to 10, how upset are you now and or angry are you now? And if your child's way up there or think that to yourself, I know for me, I'm not talking when I'm above a seven. I think that's an important thing to kind of understand. Also, I think for children having a calm down kit, maybe it's like, 
Now, glue the lid on tight if you do this, like a glitter wand that goes up and down that they can follow to help regulate their breathing. Some squish balls. Um, we had a pinwheel they could blow on because that helps with breath when they were little. Having maybe a calm down step and a calm down box, you could have some scriptures in there if they could read that are like, as far as it's up to you, be at peace with everyone or some ideas like that. Even maybe a prayer that you pray for your child. As they get older, you might use an anger journal where you write back and forth to your kids about the interactions you've had when you're frustrated. And I have a family member, my sister, who's a Bible study teacher, Melissa Spolstra. She did that with her kids and wrote about it. And how much that anger journal can help. Louis Pala in his book, The Heart of Anger, has some sample pages of that. And we've used that at the center before. I think something else you said, though, too, is just understanding, not only understanding God's perspective, but understanding their perspectives. Kids will loop if they don't feel validated. And sometimes what can help more than anything is like with the little ones of getting down on, you're really mad about this. You wish you could do it. It's They talk about that in Happiest Toddler on the Block. Sometimes that keeps them from looping is to kind of just saying it over and over again is to validate what you hear them saying or to be compassionate. Because I think Jesus was really compassionate with even Pharisees when they were angry. And sometimes like, you know, we're busy and we're frustrated when they get mad because they can't go to Taco Bell and you said they could go to Taco Bell, but now you got to go to soccer and they're melting down and they look like their grandparent just died. And you just said we can't go to Taco Bell. Kids lack perspective. And I want to talk about part of the reason for that is their brain is only, my 15-year-old's brain is about halfway developed. And we forget that. And the last part is the frontal lobe, which manages all the types of decision-making and emotional regulation. So we have to be gentle with that half brain sometimes and to say, I know you're, I've even said, I know you're upset about this on a scale 110. How big is Taco Bell? And she's like, a three. And I'm like, but you're acting like, I know it's ridiculous. I just (laughs) wanted to be like, you know, and let me talk about that. That's because of expectations. And so kids who are less flexible are going to struggle with anger more. We, when we are the most frustrated, we probably feel like our kid isn't meeting our expectations or the way they're behaving is reflecting on who we should quote, be as a parent. Yes, yes. And so that's another thing that I have to be careful of when I start to get really reactive is when I hear my dad's very unhealthy voice talking to me about like, I can't believe you're that self-centered. Well, teenagers are self-centered. Why, why can we not believe that? That is how they're, they're designed to work at that age. So instead saying, hey, I know that you're thinking about yourself right now and I can see why this is important to you. However, I'm trying to balance four people right now. And that's why, even though this is hard, this may not work out. And honestly, if the brain's really, really, really hyper aroused, she's not going to hear that. Mm-hmm. And I think you're wise to know your son can't hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that now we I would have in that calm down kit is a weighted blanket nearby. That helps a lot yes. of people, not only with anxiety, but also that weight can help us. I personally respond to heat better. My daughter, when she's super frustrated, I'm like, why don't you go take a hot bath? I know a lot of times wrap myself in a heated throw, especially even though I know I'm in Texas, it's barely even cold, but it does get a little cold in the winter. And just even doing something like that to take a cup of hot tea, something like that to kind of calm your system down. Uh Um, I have seen some teenagers become too angry. They're drinking too much caffeine Uh and that's affecting their irritability. And so I'm a little nervous. I just heard about some kind of new Slurpee drink that's coming out, like that's being advertised with Red Bull in it. And I'm kind of seeing some irritability coming this summer. The other thing I want to say is sleep. Yes. I mentioned blood sugar, but I think also sleep. 
Sometimes we need a nap. Sometimes we need to just say, listen, it might be a good idea for you to spend a little time in your room today because you didn't get enough sleep last night. We have kids who sometimes spend the night with other kids, but I'm in homes where we're committed to going to bed at a decent time so that we don't have that really grumpy kid the next day. Sometimes us moms, in order to parent well, going to have to shut it down because our reactors won't work as well. I mean, I will tell you this, I'm using this new app and it says I'm working at 85% capacity today (laughs) because I didn't go to sleep in my window and I didn't get up in my window. And I'm using it to just really convict me about the fact that I'm not going to parent as well, counsel as well, do talk with you as well if I'm not getting in that zone. So I think that there's a lot of hope. I hope moms who are hearing this and hearing me talk, even though this is about mental health, and I do want to talk about when you need to get help for just one minute. But, you know, I think there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of things we can try to do it. And we don't even have to be, we can be consistently inconsistent like we are as humans. However, if you grew up in a home with rage or you are in a home with rage or you have a child who's raging, because I have seen this in my office, I want to encourage you to get some help because anger does beget anger. And there's a level of this where it's not safe. And it may even be safe for you as an adult, but there are other siblings in the home that don't feel safe. And I think that's something to look at. We were not designed to live in homes where our amygdalas are constantly on edge. Like that happened during the pandemic and we're trying to calm our brains down now. And so I think God can help us with this. But I also think there's a time that God would help us through vessels like myself and other professionals to get help. And the church is becoming more supportive of this. I'm pleased to see it. I know we have a ways to go. I've been all over the country. So I see some areas where it's not as helpful in others, but I see elders becoming more supportive of holding men with tempers Mm -hmm. accountable or women with addictions and tempers accountable. And children need to be held accountable too to other children. Siblings should not be causing physical harm to their own siblings in the home. So I think there's a level we've got to really hold to, but I think there's a lot we can try to try to make better unless we truly have a mental illness going on and a brain misfiring. And then I do think we need to involve both professional help. I I think it's, again, it's this whole model. It's professional help. So we get relational issues handled and psychological issues, like you talked about the mindset and renewing the mind. It's physical help. We may need to see some doctors. There may be, I've seen cases where there's hormones off. I will tell you, if you've got a girl in the house, like I do, menopause and puberty is not a great combo. I don't recommend (laughs) it where I'm living, but you know, there's, there can be hormonal things going on that need to be addressed. And then also there is spiritual warfare. And I will give you the best tip for that I can. And that is sometime you might just imagine a post-it on your head and your child's head or your spouse in your head that says, I am not your enemy. And just because sometimes we're in the middle of that, we start feeling like they're our enemy. They will not take that stuff upstairs. They will not bring that stuff downstairs. They will not clean up their rooms or they're talking back a lot. And a lot of times they're pleading their case. But in the midst of that, we need to remember that there is a bigger enemy that is out there to steal, kill, and destroy. And I will never forget one time I was sitting with my little seven-year-old, I think, and it'd been the season where people are dying and we have a lot of grief because grief will cause anger in a home too. And I said to her, she looked like I'd hit her. And I had just asked her something. And I said, what did you hear me say? She said, I never do anything right. And I'm the worst kid in the world. And I looked at her very lovingly and I said, the enemy is mean. 
because you want to know what I said to you? I said, your shoes have been down here for three days and I've asked you to take them upstairs. Will you do so now? And I may have been a little firm with my tone because I think you can tell I could have that. But I certainly didn't say anything like that. The enemy will take your words and twist them in your kids' heads and hearts. And that's where we need to remember that he is our enemy. And we need to address those lies when we can read and sense that in the spirit and ask our kids questions like that. What did you hear me say? And to make sure they're hearing us correctly, because no matter what my child does, she is loved by me, even in the midst of the worst anger. But I do think what you also said. We need to be careful because the illustration we use in our counseling center is a toothpaste tube. You can never get it all back in there. You can say you're sorry. You can you can have forgiveness. You can have reparation and even repentance. But if you keep squishing the toothpaste and the toothpaste keeps coming out or you've got a kid and we see this with ADHD and impulsive disorders, especially, then it's time to look at how do we slow down enough? How do we get a little more spirit led self-control? How do we maybe even use medication to look at a way or a supplement to help us manage that better? Because let me tell you what, I have seen kids in my office and they hate what they do themselves. They sound like Paul. I do what I do not want to do and I hate it. And I think we need to have compassion for that and also get help for that. Give them as many tools in that toolbox as you can get. Yeah, absolutely. This has been amazing. So much packed into a short amount of time. Thank you. I really feel like our parents are going to leave with some great practical tips for knowing how to interact with their children, even right there in the moment. So Michelle, thank you for being a part of the show today. I would love it if you could just wrap us up by, you know, because I know everybody listening is going to want to get involved with what you're doing because you shared so much great wisdom today. Tell them, tell them how they can follow you. Tell them how they can get involved with what the work, the work that you are doing for the kingdom right now. Thank you. Well, if you do need some help, you can visit communitycounselingassociates.com or hopehelps.me. And we've got some counselors that work even nationally as a nonprofit. I've got a new book coming out called Managing Your Emojis. It's for 8 to 12-year-olds, 6 to 15, kind of in that range. It's a every day we cover sad, mad, happy, scared. For the younger kids, we've got God, I feel sad and God, I feel scared. You can find me, neither is hard to spell, yourmentalhealthcoach.com. You can find me there or raisingmentallyhealthykids.com will get you to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging out with me today, friends. I hope you've benefited from this season of talking intentionally about anger in our children as much as I have. My prayer is that God uses this season and your prayers for your children to move in hearts and homes all over the world. As we close out, don't forget to get your copy of our prayer guide to help you learn to pray in this particular area. It's called Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child. And you can find it along with a link to all of Michelle Niedert's amazing resources in the show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Till next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Do you wish you could have a short, sweet, simple something to pray for your kids this summer that sincerely asks God to move in their hearts, is easy to use, and maybe even encourages your heart to? Sign up for a summer of prayer with Million Praying Moms. Each morning this summer, you'll receive a simple, scripture-inspired prayer for your child in your email inbox, just one a day. We'll work our way through the book of Romans, 
asking God to do things like turn their hearts toward him, follow him, trust him, put their faith in him, stand up for him, and be obedient to him. Get signed up right now in today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.